We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Romans chapter 14. How many of you all remember, we're going to date ourselves now. You remember the old comedian George Burns? Does anybody remember George Burns? Yeah. It's probably been um, 35, 40 years ago since he made this statement, but it, it still rings true today. It's amazing how true it still rings. He said, it's too bad that the only people who know how to run this country are busy driving cabs and cutting hair. And isn't that the way that it is? It seems like that everybody knows more about something than the one that's doing it. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, Paul, he tackled this subject in his letter to the Christian church at Rome. I want you to look there with me. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. You know... Burns may have been referring to politics, but Paul, in, his, in this letter, he's referring to people who are involved in Christian service. That could be anything now. That could be um, pastors, or it could be teachers, or volunteers in any phase of ministry. This is who Paul is referring to in, the, in these verses. He says in verse 4, Who are you to criticize someone else's servant? The Lord will determine whether his servant has been successful. The servant will be successful because the Lord makes him successful. Now, there's two statements that, that I derive from that verse before I go any further that I think we, there are, are foundational for where we're going today. Uh, the first statement would be this. According to that verse, it's the Lord that will determine the servant's success or lack thereof, not me. Amen? And the second statement there would be this. The servant will be successful because the Lord makes him so, not me. Isn't that fair? I mean, that's a fair assumption about that verse, right? Both of those statements would be fair. But in light of those two facts... Who then am I to pass judgment on one of the Lord's servants? And the word criticize in verse 14 there, if you're looking at a King James Bible, King James Version, uh, where, where the word criticize is used, uses the word judge. Right? You see that? In English, that word in both places means the same thing. It means to condemn or to question or to criticize. I was looking at this uh, passage of Scripture not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and I just thought to myself as I was studying this, I don't ever want to be under the curse of living a critical life. 
And a lot of people struggle with this. Um, they struggle with being positive. I mean, I hate to say it, but most people are negative by nature, aren't they? You ask directions. How often do you hear somebody say, go to the green light? What do they say? Go up to the red light. Huh? It's just, a, it's just, it's, it's, it's natural, common nature for us to find fault with things because very rarely do we spend as much time and energy affirming good things as we do uh, criticizing or critiquing the things that we see shouldn't be the way they are, or at least in our minds shouldn't be the way they are. And it's always easier to stand on the sidelines and be critical of how someone is doing something than it is to do something with them or even for them. Still with me? You say, we don't, we're not sure where you're going with this. Well, hang on a minute. My assessment of this is, it goes something like this. Whoever could do something best should. And, and, and if that logic holds, if whoever could do it best would, then everyone else could follow suit doing what they're best at until everything was being done with excellence by the person best equipped to do it. And with everybody busily doing what they're excellent at doing, there'd be no time left to stand around criticizing any other's performance. Right? There's an old Chinese proverb goes like this. Let the man who says it cannot be done not disturb the man doing it. Isn't that good? So if we judge someone who's doing something in sincere faith, I think we're in dangerous ground with God, or at least it would seem. If you go on, look at what Paul has to say about this. Chapter 14, verse 10. He says, why do you criticize or despise other Christians? Everyone will stand in front of God to be judged. Scripture says, as certainly as I live, says the Lord, everyone will worship me and everyone will praise God. And all of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God. And that statement right there, that I'm going to have to personally give an account to God, should be motivation enough to keep me busy every day of my life, working on my own life, not meddling in someone else's. Somebody say amen. I'm going to stay busy the rest of my life just trying to keep myself in check. I don't have time or energy to try to get you in check. That's why the scripture said that every person would work out their own salvation with much fear and trembling. Hmm. What happens, though, if we do decide to be critical of others? Now, there's a lot of things that could happen, but I'm just going to list four of them for you today. I want you to get your, your, uh, your pen and your bulletin uh, or in there in the side of your Bible, wherever you want to write these down. I'm talking about the curse of critical. 
and what the curse of critical will do to you. Because I don't, I don't ever want our church to be known as, uh, as a church of, of, of being critical. But I, I want our church to be the place. It's always been in my mind. Uh, that That's why you hear the music when you get here out in the parking lot. I want it to be the place where people are so excited when they get here on Sunday morning that they just jump out of their car and the music hits them in the parking lot and they're just bolt and run for the church as hard as they can go. And they're like, because this is how I am. I'm like, it's Sunday. I get to see all my family again. We're going to worship. It's going to be excellent. We're going to, the spirit of God's going to be here. And we're going to see miracles. We're going to see amazing things. People are going to get saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. People are going to call into me. I, I can't wait to see what God is going to do. I mean, I just, I'm really excited about Sundays. I love Sundays. And I want all of us to have that. And I think we do. I think we have that. that this is that kind of a church. This is the kind of church where if you, if you find yourself in a group of three or four people anywhere on the campus, somebody's laughing and somebody's telling a joke. And somebody's talking trash. And something's going on. I mean, everywhere you go, something's happening where, where the, there's, there's just fun pockets. And I think that's how church should be. I don't think church should be that place where you get up on Sunday and you're like, oh, ah. If I want to go to heaven, ah, would I rather go to hell than to have to go to church? Some people are like that. If I had to go to my church, I don't know if I'd rather go to hell. You ever went to that church? If you've ever been to that church, you've had that conversation. Don't raise your hand. But you've had that discussion on the way or maybe as you were thinking about getting out of bed, you're like, oh, If heaven depended on this, would I still go? Because I know Jesus ain't going to be there today. He never is. I know the Holy Spirit's not going to be there. He hadn't been in 25 years. If you've been going to that church, I'm not talking bad about it, but I'll bet if Save us a little bit of arrogance just because of these folks. If you've been going to that church and you visited this one today, you're probably not going to go back to that one after today. You'll be like, I like today a lot better. I like that upbeat, positive. Some people walk in, they see it as, man, it's dark and there's smoke and it's loud. Other people walk in, they're like, yeah, we're worshiping today. It's on. The smoke machine's working. That's it. Let's go. What happens, though, to the person that chooses to live that life of a critical nature? The curse of critical will cause several things in your life, four of which I'm going to list right now. The first thing that the curse of critical will do to you is it will upset your father. Because I'm pretty sure that he will always side with the one that is doing something and making mistakes than the one that's not doing anything and criticizing the one who is. I'm pretty sure he would always side there. Because the scripture, here's what's so cool about the word of God. 
The scripture never requires us to be perfect. In fact, the writer of the scripture, which is God himself, knows we are incapable of being perfect. So he never lists that as one of the requirements. Instead, he lists for us the requirement being you better fall on grace because you're going to need it. But if you'll fall on grace... You're going to be okay because I know you can never be perfect. He never requires us to be perfect. He doesn't even require us to be right. He just tells us to do the Great Commission. A lot of folks are doing it wrong, maybe in your estimation, but they're doing it. If they're trying, if they're doing it to the best, I get up every Sunday and I pray for every church where that people believe on accepting the blood of Jesus as their Savior. Any church that's preaching that we're only saved through Christ and we're saved by the shedding of His blood, man, I'm behind that church and I'm praying for Him every Sunday. That's the stipulation, though. I know that when I work for Jesus, I mess up. Everything I've done in ministry, at one point or another, I was doing it for the first time, and I didn't know how. This, For me, ministry has been a... uh, Deb and I have talked about this for 24 years. Man, we wish we could find somebody that's where we're going that could tell us how to get there. So we wouldn't make so many mistakes. We hadn't found them yet. We found a lot of folks that were where we hoped we were going that would say, we can tell you what not to do. And we found ourselves saying that to a lot of people that are coming along behind us. In my mistakes, I learn and I grow and I get better. But that negative person is too busy being critical of what I'm doing than to ever do something on their own and take a chance on making a mistake. I don't think God cares so much about whether you mess it up. He just cares about whether or not you're trying. He said, I've never heard it put that way. I thought that if you can't do it right, we can't do it. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're waiting until you can do it right, if you're waiting to lead, if you're waiting to teach, if you're waiting to work until you can do it with perfection, you're not ever going to go to work. In the kingdom of God because it is the mistakes you will make along the way that will help you to get better in doing it. And God didn't look for perfection. He's just looking for people that would sacrifice time, talent, and treasure and give it a whirl. Don't wait to become perfect before you go to work for Jesus. Go to work for Jesus and he'll get you right along the way. Somebody say amen. And number two... The curse of critical will display your ego and your personal insecurities. Fault finding is not difficult. Isaac Murray illustrated this point by telling a story years ago. He told a story about a little boy that was smart enough to hitch his dog to the front of his push mower and that way the dog could drag the mower and he could guide it from behind and one day he was mowing the front lawn this way and a passerby came along the sidewalk and the dog stopped 
pulling the mower and began to bark at this person on the sidewalk. And the little boy said to the man, don't mind this dog. He's just barking for an excuse to rest. It's easier to bark at you than it is for him to pull the mower. Yeah, I got it. And number three, the curse of critical will set the standard by which you yourself is going to be judged. Be careful if you criticize me or if you criticize someone else. Anybody who hears you doing that are going to hold you to that same standard. Even the word talked about that. You'll be judged by the measure that you judge others. If you would like to have a little grace the next time you mess up, you might want to have a little grace for the people that are messing up around you. I wish we wouldn't take each other so seriously. If you didn't expect much out of me and I didn't expect much out of you, we'd have a lot more fun. I mean, we'd give it our best. We'd still try to do things with excellence, wouldn't we? But if we messed up, instead of getting angry and upset about it, we'd just laugh and say something like, well, doesn't surprise me. I love the guy, but he's like me. He's not perfect. And I wonder how many children... Parents, listen to this. How many children have been poisoned to their church because of the the conversations they heard their parents having at the dinner table on Sunday after church? Parents who then would say to the kids next Sunday, let's get up and go to church. And the kids are like, I don't want to go. And they're like, I don't know why these kids don't want to go to church. Well, maybe it's because they've heard you talk about church too much. Woo. Wave him hanky. Somebody wave him hanky. When the conversation is all about he preached too long, he preached too short. I'll tell you the one that always causes me to do, take a step back when I meet new people and I shake their hand and I say, hey, it's good to meet you. Where are you from? And they say, we're from such and such a church. I'm like, oh, well, hate that because we don't want to get anybody from anybody else's church. And I say, well, are you just visiting with us today? And I no, we're really looking. I say, okay, well, we're shopping. I'm like, hmm, okay, cool. Well, you know, not going to try to sell you on anything. Who, here's who. And I say, well, this is in my mind. And I say something like, well, well, why, why are you shopping around? They say, we're just not getting fed. I'm like, wow. I don't say it, but in my mind, I'm thinking, I got fed all week. That's why I look like this. I didn't wait on nobody. I didn't wait on nobody to shove anything in my mouth. I found me something to eat every time I was hungry this week. And I found something to eat when I wasn't. That's why I look like this. I could, oh, I, I, I wasn't waiting on anybody. So whenever somebody says, we just, we just not being fed. I'm like, I, I could guarantee you if I talk to that person about six months, they're going to say to the next place where they're going when that pastor calls me they say so and so's over here at our church from your church and and they and, and i'm going to say yeah they just weren't being fed they just weren't being fed they and, and you can ask so and so they weren't being fed there either and i'll tell you something brother 
Don't get too disappointed in six months when they leave you because they're not going to get fed there either. Because they don't eat for themselves. You'll set the standard by which you yourself are judged. Dr. Mitchell said this years ago, he said somebody in his congregation pointed out several faults in his preaching. And he said instead of retaliating or trying to defend himself, he looked at the person and he said, if what you say is true, would you please pray for me? And that would be the correct attitude for all of us whenever we find ourselves at the other end of the criticism. It's hard not to fight back though, isn't it? It's really, it's really tough sometimes. For the lady that come up and she said, ooh, pastor, I don't like that little goatee thing you got going. I'm like, well, you might want to shave yours. The curse of critical will cause you to alienate others. Because once you get a reputation for being critical, people will start avoiding you like the plague. Because they know that if you'll criticize someone to them, you'll criticize them to someone else too. Have you noticed that? We don't like hanging around with negative. None of us like hanging around with negative people. And that's why when people are always negative, nobody's hanging around them. They're constantly looking for a new place to latch on. I used to call them cling-ons. You know how when you don't have a dryer sheet in a dryer... And you dry some clothes and you take the socks and they're hung to the pants. They're just clinging on. And negative people are like that. They're looking for an audience and they can't find one. They just going around just, just trying to hang on to somebody's leg. And just the positive person just dragging that negativity around. They're smiling like, I'm trying to kick this off. Would you, would you talk to her for a minute for me? I've been trying to get rid of her for about 30 minutes. I've been trying to get rid of him for about an hour and a half. Would you? Hey, and you know what's terrible is when those of you that are that are that are that are good at this, you get to where you're like, you know, when that's happening and they and they're latched on, you, you you're looking at them, but you're always looking away, and you see some. You're like, have I introduced you to old Jerry Meadows? Jerry, come here a minute. Let me introduce you to. I'll see you later. Some of you are like, that's what you did to me. I remember that a couple of weeks ago. Person's been wearing me out. I just told you how to get rid of them. I just told you how to pass them on to somebody else. Romans 14, 19 says, help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault been said that the largest room in the world is the room for improvement somebody say amen and if you doubt that then just look at who jesus chose to be his disciples and if you doubt that then look in the mirror at who jesus chose to be his disciple 
being critical is a curse. It, it breeds negativity. It, bring, it breeds stagnation. And if you, fall, if, if you allow yourself to fall prey to it, it's going to rob your joy. It's going to make you look bad to the world and to the church. I'm going to tell a story, unfortunately for everybody. Everybody's sake, everybody's going to be happy because I'm almost done this morning. You're like, oh, my land is 10.09. He's about to break his own record. Well, I'm not done yet, but I'm getting really close. And I'll, I want to end you, end with, or get close to ending. I don't want to lie. I want to get in, close to ending with the story about these two fellas who were, they were both taxidermists. They're walking down a sidewalk one day and they happen to notice that in a store window, someone had an owl on display. And so they stopped to critique the owl and they begin to look at each other and one said to the other, mm, not somebody's best work. He said, yeah, I know what you're saying. He said, you know, its feet are just not positioned right. And the other one's like, yeah, and look, he said, its feathers are not padded down. He said, his, his, his eyes, they don't look normal. They don't look real. His head is cocked the wrong way. They went on like this for about 10, 15 minutes until finally they got finished. And when they were finished, they stand in there inside with their hands in their pocket. And the old owl turned its head and looked at them and winked. Some of you are a lot smarter than I am. Don't get caught up in the snare of the enemy. Try to make you a critical person. It's a curse. If you speak negativity all the time. You're going to start speaking it into your own life and you're going to suffer the consequences of it. If you speak negatively. You're going to find that it robs your joy. My whole goal here today was not to chide anyone for being negative, but rather to encourage every person in this church to get busy if you're not already doing something for Jesus, whether it's here or out there or wherever it might be, and have fun doing it. Quit being so hard on yourself. Quit being so critical of yourself. Quit listening to the people who are critical of the way you're doing it. Sure, you're going to mess it up. My lands, look at all that I've messed up over the years. But let's just go ahead and have fun. What do you say? Let's smile, church. Let's have fun. Let's laugh. Let's encourage each other. Let's be blessed by being together. Amen? And spend your time finding good in everything. Today, when you go home and, 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 and you're asking the kids, how did it go in children's church? Listen, listen for that. They're going to tell you the good things that happened in children's church. And don't draw your own assumptions of. When they say something to you like, man, we got candy. Don't look at each other and say, they gave them candy again. Now they're not going to take their nap. Man. And that kid's like, oh, candy's not good. I can't, children's church isn't good. Huh? The poor guy out in the parking lot that's waving at folks with his pants unzipped. He wasn't out there today. 
When you leave, go home and say something like, man, I got to give it to that fella. He ain't got no pride. He's just out there loving people, waving at folks and smiling instead of, can't somebody tell him to zip his pants? I did a whole wedding with my pants unzipped one time in a tux. You should have seen the pictures. And I told the couple afterwards, I said, that's my gift to you. I said, I try to do something special for every couple that I marry. I try to do something that they'll remember. And I said, that's my gift to you right there. Fortunately, what you could see was the white shirt. But it looked, you couldn't tell, but it was, looked like whitey tidies or whatever. But it wasn't. It was a white shirt tucked in. And the young man, he looked at that and he said, is your pants unzipped? My wife is not going to. I said, you tell her that that is my gift to you guys. Let's have fun. Even when somebody messes up, even if it's wrong, even if you know they did it wrong. You ever been in Sunday school when somebody was teaching? Maybe it was their first time or two to teach and everybody in the class knew more about the lesson than them. They couldn't get the three Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace. They had Daniel and Samson all together riding horses. And I mean, it's like, what in the Sam Hill is going on? Right? And, and what you wanted to do afterwards was you were making notes on how you're going to correct them after church. But the best thing you could have done was gone up and said, you know what? That was awesome. Man, I appreciate you giving that a run. You know what? Because you should have seen what my first time was. You know what? You know what the first time I preached was like? I was 19 years old. I had to go that day and have a tooth pulled. And they were going to do a bridge. And they put a temporary on it. Have you ever had one of those? And they put that temporary glue on it. I got about halfway through that message. It lasted about 12 minutes. And I spit that tooth out. 19. I look like a vampire. And I got that tooth in my mouth. And I'm rolling around. And I think I'm thinking to myself. Well, I don't even know what I'm going to say next. But I think I just broke that tooth. What am I going to do now? It's like a week before I get to go back. How am I going to get it out of my mouth? And I kind of got it out in a, my hand and. I probably said, let's pray or I don't know what I did, but I got it out and got it in my pocket, got the tooth in my pocket. And then from then on, everything I was trying to say, French fries. I talk, tried to talk about French fries. Everything I said from then on. Without that tooth was a mess. I was like, dear God. You call me to this. You're supposed to be anointing me. Why are you going to let me go through this? And I gave an altar call. And I'm like, man, these kids are going to laugh. And instead, like 35 kids flooded down and got around the altars. Were crying in the altars. Asking Jesus to forgive them of their sins. And I'm standing there going, what in the world is wrong with these kids? Do they not know what just happened here the last 15 minutes? 
we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. Poor Shelly back here. I'm going to say something here in a minute. She's going to miss a cord and then everybody's going to be like, he said she was going to do it, you know. She did a couple of weeks ago and I didn't even look at her. You remember a couple of weeks ago, you missed one right in the altar. I mean, right smack in the altar, she missed one. And we never even, we never even talked about it. You know why? Because it didn't matter. Y'all didn't care. Y'all came down here and prayed anyway. Things happen, folks. We just mess up. We're just human. We're not going to get it right all the time. But, but, but what we can get right is this. We can get right in our love and our joy and our peace and our grace and our compassion and our, and our health and our help for one another. And, and we can find joy in being together. Huh? We can work together and we, we can have, we can know that, that it's safe for us to go to work and that if we mess up, that people around us aren't going to criticize us and throw us out of the church, but instead they're going to rally around us. We can do that. Let's kill the curse of critical. You know who the curse of critical is for? It's for the devil. And anybody that gets involved in having a negative spirit is not being motivated of the Holy Spirit. They are being motivated of the devil because the curse of the critical is for the devil. So when you hear that, that's where it's coming from. Let's choose happy, not sad. Let's choose joy, not doom. Let's choose victory, not defeat. Somebody say amen. So we're going to pray. Here in just a minute, they're going to lead us in this final song. And you, get, you know how it works. You get to go and pray wherever you want to pray. But I want, you, I, I want you to spend those minutes in prayer just asking the Holy Spirit. Is there anything in me that is critical? Because I do not want to offend a weaker brother. I don't want to hurt some girl or some guy who are just getting started and trying. And I don't want to be the one to hurt them. I, I, want to, I, I, always, I always wanted to be that one that was scotching them on. I always wanted to be the one that was encouraging them and, 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 and helping them. I never wanted to be the one that was like, oh, my land. I can't believe you did that. Let's take... Let's, Let's take that time to say, Lord, examine my heart. And if, if I become, if there's, a, if there's a weed of negativity that's trying to sprout up in my spirit, I ask you, Lord, that you would pluck that today. I, I want to be positive. I want to be excited. I want to be happy. I want to be a blessing to others. I want people to see me coming and be excited and say, oh, here comes so-and-so instead of, oh, no, here comes so-and-so. Huh? I want to be that one they look forward to getting in the conversation. You can pray here, there, wherever you want to. But let's take a few minutes now as they lead us in the song. Let's, let's examine our hearts and let's, let's pray a little bit. God bless you.